You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. Friday, November 17th. This is the Christian Commute. I am your host, Seth Dunn, and you are riding home with me. I forgot to get the Alabama-Tennessee Chattanooga score prediction from Brother William. I'm sure this game is off the board, as they say. The professional bookmakers probably don't even have a spread for it. I'm going to say... Alabama 52, University of Tennessee, Chattanooga Mocks 10. Alabama 52, University of Tennessee, Chattanooga Mocks 10. That's what I'm going to say. And now let's get into the show proper. The little streak we had going on is over. It is not going to be a full show because I do not have a question in the inbox. I used my last one yesterday. And no, I have not uploaded that yet. So I, I have not uploaded the Tuesday show, the Thursday, or the Thursday show. Today's the Friday show. So I'll probably do that Saturday or Sunday. Ugh. Things might open up for me a bit as far as free time coming up because both soccer seasons are stopping. So the only thing I'll have to do is uh, go coach basketball. And that'll be a couple of practices a week, maybe a game here and there. And I'm the assistant coach, so it doesn't all fall on me. This is going to feel like a little winter vacation for me because we only have one basketball team, and I'm only the assistant coach. And we have a futsal team for my daughter. The, twin, the other twin is not playing, and I have nothing to do with the management of that team. So I'm just going to try and be... Well, I was going to say, I'm just going to try and be a dad, but not really, because I'm still an assistant coach of basketball, and me and the other guy are pretty serious about it. But hopefully I'll, I'll get to uploading the shows on a more regular regular basis, so you guys don't have to wait to the next week to hear the show. Today's show title, it's the first in a series. Georgia Baptist Mission Board, Four Ways to Reach Families with Young Kids. Yes, the Georgia Baptist Mission Board has come up with four ways for your church to reach families with young kids. And I'm going to talk about that. And you might be saying, Seth, I'm not from Georgia. How does this apply to me? Just bear with me. The commentary will almost certainly apply to you and your state. If you have a question in the inbox, you can, for the inbox, for the inbox, there are no questions in the inbox. If you have a question for the inbox about Christian Christian apologetics or theology, you can write to SethDunn88 at gmail.com, SethDunn88 at gmail.com, or you can dial 470-315-315. 0875. The Christian Commute is your theological roadside assistance, and apparently nobody needs any right now. We continue in the Bible chapter of you in Matthew 26. Jesus and the disciples are still in the Garden of Gethsemane, and most of them are still asleep. 
Matthew chapter 26, verses 39 through 41. And he went a little beyond them, them being the three, Peter and the sons of Zebedee. So to recap what happened, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He told him, wait here, I'm going to go over here and pray. He told Peter and James and John, come over here with me. I'm going to pray. He says, keep watch. Stay up and keep watch. Hold on a minute. Stay here. And then he goes a little way further. He's praying privately. But he wants his disciples awake and keeping watch while he prays. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So here Jesus is going to pray. He knows his time has come, and he falls on his face to pray. I'm going to guess that almost everybody listening doesn't typically fall on their faces to play to pray. Is that typical of you when you pray? I'll, I'll be driving around in the car praying. I just prayed a minute ago before I left work. Uh, and I was just standing up. And I'll probably pray before I go to sleep at night. So I'll be laying in the bed praying. I might pray with my kids sitting next to them or standing next to their bed. Pray sitting down at the table. I'm hard pressed to think of a time where I fell on my face to pray but then again I've never been so stressed out before because uh, the Romans are about to crucify me so Jesus's manner here his bodily position falling face down prostrate before the Lord is related to the stress that is going on in his life his dire situation he knows he's about to be crucified and what he's asking and I think he knows the answer to this question before he even asks it. Is, is there's any other way? <laughs> Let's try that. It is not Jesus' will to go and be crucified on the cross. Because nobody wants to get nailed to a cross and bled to death and suffocate to death. And everything that goes with it, being whipped and having to carry the cross and all the torture and abuse and shame that happens to you beforehand. It is the Father's will that the Son go be crucified to make atonement for sin. Because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Okay, So the Father has given the Son over to this, to this treatment here on earth. The Son has become incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus' will, his, in his sinless will, is I want to do whatever the Father tells me to do. Not my will, but thy will be done. If you can let this, if it's possible to let this cup pass from me, let it pass. Now listen, Jesus has already foretold that this would happen. He knows it's going to happen. This is my personal opinion. You can't get it out of the text. So take that for what it's worth. 
I think Jesus puts this prayer here for us because we're all going to be faced with times of our life where God's will for our lives is to put us through something, obviously not something like the cross, but to put us through something that we don't want to go through, that we don't want to do, and our will has to be submitted to God's perfect will. Jesus says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We are still here in our fleshly bodies. We don't have our resurrection body yet. We're still in this body of sin, as Paul might say. And our body gets weak, and our body gets nervous, especially when somebody's about to nail us to a cross. Even though we know in our spirit what we need to do. Jesus knows in his spirit what needs to be done. But he is God incarnate. He's the God man and he doesn't want that body to be beaten, bloodied, and crucified. But he's going to submit to it. And we'll see he, we'll see in the, the following verses when they, when they come to arrest him and he's like, listen, don't try and fight your way out of this. I don't need you to... Remember, Peter chops off the, the ear of one of the guys who comes to arrest Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, don't worry about it. The fighting's not the way to go here. I could call 10,000 angels to save me. There's a song, he could have called 10,000 angels. You know, he... Jesus knows what's going to happen. He's going to let it happen. He's not going to choose to extricate himself from the situation. And he knows that his disciples are going to be put under temptation as well to fall away from him under persecution. And he's telling them, stay up and pray that you might not enter into temptation. Don't fall asleep. Stay up and pray. You need to be keeping a watch and praying with me or you may fall into temptation. The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Jesus is perfect. He's going to do the right thing no matter what. Can't say the same for the disciples. Can't say the same for us. So if there's a lesson to be learned from this that we're to apply to today is to pray about being in the Father's will as we're going through hard times. And you'll remember from yesterday my sort of fake sermon about how to misapply this. Oh, while you were sleeping, this blah, 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 blah. But seriously, you know, don't sleep on temptation in tough situations. Keep watch. Pray that you'll be in God's will. That's a prayer we can all have. Not my will, but thy will be done. Well, how are we to discern God's will? Read the Bible. Read the Bible and you'll be able to discern God's will for your life in any given situation. Because you'll be steeped in His Word and you'll know morally the right or wrong thing to do and you can depend on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And with that, we'll end the Bible chapter review. We'll talk more about the situation Jesus is in next time. I jumped the gun a little bit And I went and talked about what happens next. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. It might take us a couple days to get to that scripture. And we'll get to the next scripture in Matthew chapter 26, Lord willing, on Tuesday. And hopefully over the weekend here, somebody's going to send me some uh, 
some questions in the inbox. Now let's talk about four ways to get families with young kids to your church. How to attract them. I was perusing Facebook this morning, as I do every morning. I think people used to wake up and read the paper. Now people, people wake up and they get on social media. They see what their friends were doing last night. This guy was at the ball game. This guy was at some restaurant with his kids. This guy, and oh, here's some news stories some people have posted. Here's what's going on in the world. And just as the newspaper of yore, of the latter days, or the days going off the latter days, the former days, of the former days, had advertisements, so does our social media. And, unlike the days of old, when they just said, here world, here's the newspaper, and here's the advertisements. Today's advertisements are catered to you based on your demographic information when you get on Facebook and say, I am 41 years old, I'm a white male, I live in Georgia, my religion is Southern Baptist, and look, let me post all the time about Baptist stuff and talk about the Bible all the time. Facebook's going to figure out this guy's a Baptist and this guy lives in Georgia. Let's give him the Georgia Baptist advertisements. They know that I am just a crew cut and and button up sleeve or button up short sleeve white shirt with with very pressed khakis. I'm that outfit and haircut haircut away from being a fundamentalist. So they know that they show me the advertisements like, here, get VidAngel so you don't have to hear the, all the F-bombs on Yellowstone or see all the naked chicks on Game of Thrones, all right? Because they know, I, they know I'm not going to watch that. They, they advertise the VidAngel for me. They know, they figured it out from Facebook based on who I am, that I'm somebody who might buy that. Now, I don't buy that because I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to watch that show if that show is so profane that they have to cut out all the naked chicks and F-words. Like, what's left of the show? I don't want anything to do with it. It's, it's still a show about horrible, wicked people. I could not tell you what Yellowstone is about. I think it is about people who live on a ranch and Kevin Costner is the head of the ranch. And they are into politics and ranching. That is what I think that show is about. But I don't watch it because it's full of F-words. I don't even know what channel does it come on. Is it on Netflix? I don't even know how to get it. Is it on, is it on Amazon? I have Amazon Prime. Anyway, I don't know. But all that to say is they know what you want to see. And they advertise the Christian stuff for me. So I got the Georgia Baptist advertisement. Now, the Facebook has not figured out that I detest the Georgia Baptist Convention. Wasteful, full of fat cats that is more of a marketing firm than a mission board, in my opinion. I believe the Georgia Baptist Convention exists to sustain itself, its employees and CEOs. I do not think the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, as they now call it, is out there to do missions in Georgia. I don't think they're about winning the lost to Christ. I think they're about getting money from churches and telling those churches how, what they need to be doing. Like consulting and selling conference tickets and youth group stuff. That's what I think of the Georgia Baptist Convention. 
Facebook apparently doesn't know that, even though I say that all the time. And they gave me this Georgia Baptist advertisement, and I looked at it. And it was an advertisement from the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. I guess to people like me, I guess it knows, I typed in that I went to seminary. So it thinks, aha, this guy went to seminary. He wants, he wants pastor services. That's what I'm thinking why I got this. And they wanted you to click here and get their free resource on how to attract parents with young children or families with young children to your church. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read this resource. I think a lot of pew sitters would just uh, scroll on by. I said, I am going to get this free resource because I want to know what's being pushed on churches like yours and mine all across this state. And then, you know, for all I know, Florida and Tennessee, too. So I have the resource. I downloaded it. Downloaded it, and I've read over it. And I am going to do what I think is a four-part show on it. Because don't you believe the resource has four Ps? Pray, partner, and I forgot the other two Ps. So I'm going to milk five shows out of this four-part resource from the Georgia Baptist Convention on how to attract young families to your church. And what's the fifth one? You might be thinking. It's this one. We're going to talk about the perceived need for the resource itself. Not just what it says to do. Because what it says to do could be good or bad. But we're going to talk about why does the Georgia Baptist Convention think that churches are out there wanting to attract families with young children? So here we go. Shouldn't churches want to attract everybody? I want to say that again. Shouldn't churches want to attract everybody? And no, I have not been replaced with an Andy Stanley pod person. I have not become seeker sensitive or attractional. I'm just talking about demographics. Of course, churches don't want to attract sinners and the people of this world. Church naturally attracts people who have come to Christ. Okay? But when I say everybody, I mean people come to Christ from all nations. Neither Greek nor Jew, male nor female, slave nor free, everybody. Christianity pulls from every demographic. Jesus saves souls from all types and kinds of people. Everybody has been plucked from hell, from the fires of hell, like an iron plucked from the fire and saved by Jesus Christ. Okay, Because when it comes down to it, if you don't get saved, you're going to die and go to hell. And churches are out here trying to fulfill corporately the Great Commission by sharing the gospel with people and leading them into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and then discipling them in their relationship with Jesus Christ. They're baptizing them along the way. Okay. So you would never probably see an advertisement from the Georgia Baptist Convention of how do you attract homeless people to your church? Well, you homeless people are just as lost uh, as anybody else if they don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, whether it's a rich man or a homeless man. 
you're probably not going to see a demographic that says how to attract old, retired, blue-haired people to your church. One, the Georgia Baptist Convention knows those people already go to church. But shouldn't you want old people just the same? Why would a church focus on a specific demographic? That's a question for you to consider. Advertisers do this based on what they sell. I made a marketing budget today at work. I didn't make it. Somebody else did. I reviewed it. And I looked at all the different ways our company was spending money on marketing. All the different vendors and websites. And I don't know why they... I I have no idea what they're doing. I'm just an accountant. I don't know who they target or why. I could ask them. But I assure you they're targeting someone. When I worked at Georgia Pacific in the North American Consumer Products Division, really in the Internal Audit Division with a focus on North American Consumer Products, I knew who we advertised to. One of my jobs there was to review, and they're not really marketing reports, but I don't want to call them Nielsen reports, TV reports of where our advertising spend was getting used. So we would give money, the company would pay money to TV networks, and they'd say, well, we're not guaranteeing you any specific time, but we have your commercials, and we promise we're going to put them on in certain shows. So what does Georgia Pacific North American consumer products sell? Sparkle paper towels, Bounty paper towels, those are the good ones. Sparkle is the low-end one. Angel Soft, that's the low-end toilet paper. Quilter Northern, that's the high-end toilet paper. And Dixie Cups. Little, little red plastic Dixie Cups. And plastic forks and spoons. And napkins. They sell napkins too. So if you and plates, paper plates. If you're on the picnic aisle at the grocery store, there's there there's the Georgia Baptist or Georgia Baptist. There's the Georgia Pacific products. If you're on the paper aisle, paper products. There you go. There's the Georgia Pacific stuff. So who do you think we're trying to advertise to? Middle-aged ladies, because that's who does the grocery shopping. So we'd want to put a commercial for Quilter Northern on during The Closer. Remember that show? The Closer with Kira Sedgwick? Old ladies like crime shows. Not old ladies, but middle-aged ladies like crime shows. I don't know why they do. And they like the crime show, The Closer, because it's a 40-year-old, 50-year-old lady who's on that show. She's the heroine, the protagonist. So we'd, we'd put advertising on Lifetime. Because that's what middle-aged women watch. And shows, like on TNT, that middle-aged women are watching. We are not advertising during MTV Spring Break. Because the kids who watch that use whatever paper towels and toilet paper that their mom gets. Okay. We were going for a demographic. Businesses go for a demographic based on what they're selling. If the gospel is for everybody, young and old, Why then are churches specifically trying to attract a certain demographic?
Because they don't go to church, by the way. That's the answer. They don't go to church. They don't have to attract the old people because the old people just go. The baby boomers and beyond just go. They call them classic adults, golden years adults, young at heart group at your church, and they drive to Ella J to get ice cream and apples and eat at the buffet restaurant. They go to Branson, and that's what they do. And the church arranges the trips for them. And they're probably going to have a, some kind of dinner for the old people soon, and they need you to volunteer to be the waiters to serve the old people. And then the old people are going to donate to missions to support the dinner. Okay, that's what's going on with the old people at your church. They go to church. They don't need to get them in. Young people, like little babies, they can't drive or make a decision for Christ for that matter. But kids can't, who are like less than 16 years old who can't drive, they ain't trying to get them because they can't get them. They're not autonomous. They can't decide where they go to church. Youth, I guarantee you the church is trying to get the youth. That's why they have a hip-hopping youth group with a youth minister. Those 16-year-old kids can drive anywhere they want. So they're trying to attract those kids, get the kids, and get, or you'll get their parents. So says the seminary textbook by John Bassanio, Pastor's Handbook. Parents with young kids, though. They're wanting to get them because here's their situation. Parents with young kids are tired. It is a chore to take kids somewhere. So these are the people who know they should go to church. Think about it. They've grown up. Their baby boomer parents took them to church. They went to college. They got disinterested in church. They started sleeping with some woman before marriage, even though they knew it was wrong. They married her, and she knew it was wrong, and he knows it was wrong. And they sit around and think, now that we have kids, don't you think we should get back in church? Who's you know who's going to teach our kids the Bible lessons? Like how are they going to grow up knowing right from wrong? You know, don't we have to give them in a, a community with other kids? Like we better take them to church. So they've decided we need to go to church. But oh, it's so hard to find a church you like, and then you got to get up on time. And there's so many other things going on in their lives with you. Know, they got stuff going on at school, extracurriculars, sports, and course. Like, let's look at my life yesterday. Yesterday, we had a basketball practice. I had to miss basketball practice, even though I'm an assistant coach, because my son had his last soccer practice. It's the parents and kids game that very nearly crippled me. I'm limping around today because I've played two soccer games in a row, and I'm 41, and I'm not built for that. But I wasn't, my son asked me to play, and if my son asked me to play, I'm going to do it. I don't care if I'm on one good leg. And that's what I did, and I feel even worse than I did the day before. We won, though. We beat those kids. So I was there. Where was my wife? My wife was at Tabernacle Baptist because Tabernacle Baptist was hosting District Honors Chorus. So my youngest twin was in District Honors Chorus. She missed her soccer practice because she actually had two extra collectors. So my wife was there. And then I was at my son at, at his soccer practice. And then my other twin had her soccer practice after that. I had to leave her there with some of our friends and then take my kids to a birthday party with one of my son's soccer friends after soccer practice. So we had basketball, soccer, and chorus and the birthday party all in the same weeknight. And I don't think we're atypical. 
How are you going to find time for church? Well, it was Thursday, not Wednesday. Like I said, I don't think we're atypical. These are all the things that parents of young children are doing. But they know they should go to church. Okay? And by the way, they're spending their money on those other things. So churches know these people want to go or can go, but don't go. So they want to attract them. They are looking after a demographic. Now, by the way, they're already doing the wrong thing by trying to capture a demographic. If you just share the gospel with people, they'll get saved, and then they'll come to church. By the way, this is no joke. I mean this. If you start sharing the gospel with people, after about a month or so, somebody will get saved. <laughs> I, th- th- this, is, this is true. And this is what my uh, evangelism teacher, Dr. Farmer, told me. I had him for church evangelism and personal evangelism. And what we did in the church evangelism class was talk about how do churches go evangelize their community. Things like you know, how to attract parents with young kids. You know, what makes them come, what makes them leave. And then personal evangelism is like, you know, what do you do as an individual Christian outside of some church program? Who are you evangelizing? And the point was very clear. If you're intentional about just going out and evangelizing people as part of your everyday life, people will eventually start accepting the gospel and making professions. It's a little like the Gene Simmons thing. Gene Simmons, the guy from KISS, sleeps with a lot of women, or at least he used to. And all those groupies. And they say, Gene, how did you sleep with so many women? He's like, well, I just kept asking them. And somebody eventually says yes. If you evangelize 100 people, somebody's going to say yes. And instead of fornicating, they're getting saved and going to heaven forever. Isn't that great? So what I'm telling you is, whether it's young or old, if you evangelize people, they're going to get saved. And then you're like, well, let me baptize you now. You need to come to church. Because it's a church ordinance. We're not doing this after football practice. It's a church ordinance. Come to church so you can get discipled and baptized. And one of the things, so I got the email, by the way. I signed up. I, I said, here, send me your information on the how, to, how, I do, how I win young people and young families to my church. And this girl sent an email. And she was the kids ministry consultant at the Georgia Baptist Convention. And her email said this. 83% of people who make a decision for Christ make that decision between the ages of 4 and 14. Now, I don't know who's out there getting saved when they're 4. I guess, I guess if you're 4, you could have the mental capacity to understand that. I don't know. But people from 4 to 14, that's what it says. 83% of the people who ever get saved do so between 4 and 14. Probably because they're in church telling, and people are telling them get saved anyway. And that's going like, all right, I got to get people from 4 to 14 in church because there's, an, there's a 17% chance that that one, well, let me do that back. I'm turning into Scott Steiner math. Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me. So Samoa Joe, you take his two and one-thirds chance. If you ever get a chance, just Google Steiner math. It's hilarious. One of the best wrestling promos ever. 
So forgive me for my Steiner math. So if you're looking at this as a pure statistician and you think I'm going to evangelize somebody from age 15 to 100 or however long people live, there's an 83% chance that that person won't accept Christ, that he won't get saved. Because 83% of the people who do get saved get saved in this time period. Am I, doing, I know there's a 17, 17% get saved outside of that age group. Nobody really gets saved before because even the, even the Baptist survey people know a three-year-old can't profess Christ or a two-year-old or a one-year-old. So they basically went as low as they could and said it is tenuously just possible for a four-year-old to get saved. And let's say from four year, years on, when do people make these decisions for Christ? And they said, all right. 83% between ages 4 and 14. Now, some of that's just timing. You know, yesterday or two days ago, I went on and on about seeing the bald eagle. If you go to an Auburn game, Auburn home game every year, there's a 100% chance you're going to see an eagle. Okay? You just, you're not going to miss it. If you grow up in church... Of course you're going to make a decision for Christ before you're 14 years old. Because since you're four, for 10 years they're telling you to make a decision for Christ. So of course you're going to get saved. Because you heard the gospel and you kept hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and finally you made a decision for Christ. And by the way, I know you guys are listening and every time I say make a decision for Christ, you're just like, you're wincing. Because you guys know I don't believe in decisional regeneration. Okay? I preach that on here all the time. It's God's decision. God makes the decision and that's why we get saved. I'm just trying to use the language that the demographers use in their church study. The Barna decision. Okay? To take theology out of it. Okay? Take Calvinism and Arminianism and everything in between out of it. People do say, I've accepted Christ as my Savior. The people who say that, 83% of the time, do it between ages 4 and 14. And like I said, of course, because the kids in church are hearing it over and over. If, you're, if you've never been to church and you get saved when you're 20 years old because somebody shares the gospel with you, you're in, yeah, you're in that outlying 17%. But that was the first time you heard you never heard it before. And it, by the way, here's here's the other statistic they give you. Half the kids who uh, go to college never come back to church. So how many of these professions are false? These 83% of the people making professions before they're 4 and 14, how many of them are false converts? It's, I think it's a lot. Because the same statistics people come and tell you, well, half the kids leave church and never come back after college. So I'm 83 divided by 2, I guess. 41.5% of the people who make legitimate professions of faith, how about that, do so between 4 and 14. So if you're a church, you're thinking, I want to get these people in, and who's going to help you with the resources? Why, the Georgia Baptist Convention. You can go to their kids' ministry consultant. And this is what I'm getting at. In the employee of the Georgia Baptist Convention, they have a 9-to-5 worker with benefits that they're paying payroll tax on. And they're paying 
$10,000 a year for their for the employer portion of their health coverage. Guys, always this always sticks with me at budget time because I'm making the payroll budgets and I'm going through and I'm saying, all right, this guy makes 70000 this guy makes 80000 this guy makes 75000 this guy makes eighty, and I'm going through all the departments saying, this, you know, this guy makes $20 an hour, then this guy makes fifteen, and I'm saying, all right, this is how these hourly people are going to work this many hours. The salaried people get paid just to show up because they're salaried fat cats. I love being a salaried fat cat. I get paid just for living. And this is what they're going to cost every month. And here's their bonus. This guy's got 10. This guy's got 5. This guy's got 15. I'm doing the math. And it's all nice and even. I've got a nice evenly number that I track. And then I do the health insurance. All right, this guy didn't take health insurance. This guy did. This guy didn't. Guys, health insurance can cost anywhere from five to $15,000 a year, depending on your plan, depending on if somebody picks single or married. Okay. So what I'm telling you is the Georgia Baptist Convention has hired a woman, and let's say she costs $10,000 a year in health care, and let's say she makes $80,000 a year, and then they're paying 7% payroll tax on that, 7.65%. That's the FICA and Medicare, plus the state unemployment and uh, federal unemployment tax. And then they're giving her a 4% 401k match. The Georgia Baptist Convention is spending $100,000 plus on this woman who's the kids' ministry consultant. And I don't know how many people are in her department. I just know you could pay two missionaries $50,000 a year to go knock on doors and share the gospel. Why does a mission board have a consultant to go to churches and tell local churches this is how you need to do your kids' ministry? Shouldn't a mission board use their personnel expense to hire missionaries? And this is the problem. Forget about whether they're giving good advice or not on how to get parents of young families to come to church it's a bunch of consultants they they'll, they'll call them consultants and catalysts it's a bunch of people who sit there and and grease the palms of pastors they take them out to lunch and give them gifts so the pastor keeps that church in the georgia baptist convention here's the resources we have to help you pastor keep on giving us five percent of your revenue. You know if your church gives 10% to the cooperative program, and that's sort of a typical amount. Some people give 6, 7, 8. But half of it goes to the state convention usually. If you've got a church that has a $1 million revenue budget, or actual revenue, and they're, they're doing 10% to the cooperative program, that's $50,000 to the state Baptist convention. And once again, this kind of nags at me because I'm doing budgets. What do I do when I do a budget? I've got my top line revenue number. And in that top line revenue number is all the stuff we're selling. All the carpet and floor coverings that we're selling and that we got to make them in a factory. And then there's all the costs that go into that. All the oil. Carpet's made of oil in case you were wondering polyethylene and polypropylene. Some carpets made of organic materials, but 
I make I make carpet out of oil. And that's expensive. So you got all that. You get your cost of goods sold. And then everything below that, you have your uh, what you call SGNA, selling general and administrative expenses. Salaries for salaried fat cats like me. Rent. In some cases, utilities. Professional fees for lawyers and computer people, etc., etc. And what you do when you're making a budget, analyze it, you go through and you look at everything as a percentage of revenue. All right? This is 2% of revenue. This is 5% of revenue. This is 20% of revenue. By the way, the biggest one is personnel. It's percent of revenue. People are expensive. Okay. That's not just for my company. That's for all of them. Below the line. All right. I'm not talking about direct labor. I'm talking about indirect salaried fat cats like me who don't do anything. I don't make anything. All the products we sell, I don't, I don't make them. Somebody else does. I'm like, we, one product. All right, that's worth $10. Next. All right, this one's worth 12 That's what I do. That's no, not helpful. <laughs> it's actually getting something on your shelf, is it? I'm an accountant, and there's lots of people like me. Anyway, 5% of this church's revenue goes to the cooperative program. Guys, if something's 5% of your revenue, you can bet in, in company world some accountant is scratching it and tearing to death at it to try and get it to 4 and 3 Saying, do we need this to be 5% of our revenue? That's what the Georgia Baptist Convention's getting from your church, man. 3, 4, 5%. And what do they do with that money? They hire a kids' ministry consultant. No, no, they're not hiring missionaries to go out while the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. They're hiring consultants to tell kids' ministries, this is how to get families to come to your church. Let me tell you something. If your church doesn't know how to get people to come, how in the world are you a church? I don't know. I don't know. How do I get people to come? I can't figure it out. I better ask the Georgia Baptist Mission Board consultant. When I worked at Field Turf, we hired a consultant once to tell us how to make backing. Backing is an essential ingredient in all carpet. Okay, so what what goes in carpet? Yarn does its yarn, and but yarn can't exist on its own. It has to be sewn or tufted into or woven into backing. Carpet backing. Every carpet has carpet backing. I have bought millions of lin yards of carpet backing in my day and costed it and whatnot. So we wanted to know how much it really costs to make the carpet backing because we we're buying it from somebody. Are they giving us a good deal or not? What's it cost to make this? Like, what are they making out of us? It's a third of our product. We want to know. Well, I didn't know. I don't know how to make carpet backing. What do we do? We hired a consultant to advise us. So this is what you need. You need these many machines. You need this kind of building. You need this equipment to go with it. And then I figured it up. And I thought, wow, I, th I think we're getting a pretty decent deal on carpet backing. All right. I had to hire a consultant. Because I didn't know how to do what I needed to do. If you have hired a kid's staff at your church, first of all, the reason you should hire a kid's staff at your church 
is to teach and care for the kids. If you're hiring a kid's staff at your church to attract children to your church, you're doing it wrong. Their job should be a shepherding type role. Yes, the pastor is the shepherd, and I'm like, there's no such thing as a kid's pastor. But that should be a teaching and care type of role. Not in a, It's not a sales role. If you've made it a sales role and a marketing role, you've done it wrong. They're there to take care of the kids, not figure out how to get more kids to come. Sadly, I think that's not how a lot of churches talk, uh, think about it. Consider it. Okay. Now, if the church doesn't know like how do we get people to come to church and it's to evangelize and invite... That's how you get people to come to church. I do not need the Georgia Baptist Convention to pay me $100,000 a year to tell you the way to get people to church is evangelize and invite. I mean, that's basically in the Bible. Just go out and tell people about the gospel. And then say, hey, you know, we want to disciple you. We have a Bible study. We have preaching and singing. Come at 11 o'clock. So you see the problem there is that churches want to know like how can I get the people I've got this Bible here no 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 let me go ask the consultant catalyst you know consultant whoever at the mission board the mission board has consultants now the consultants could be saying stuff like hey this is how you need to set up your nursery so it's safe you need to have one of these door systems that only unlocks with the beeper key. Or uh, you need to have one of these systems where you type, the parent types in the kid's name, it prints out a sticker, and you put a sticker on the kid. Like, I got, I got my son Pierce. Every, every Sunday, I go into church, type in Pierce, it prints out a sticker. This is Pierce. It says what room he goes to. I stick the sticker on him. I take him to his room. I've got a separate sticker that the printer prints out for me, and it says this is the guardian receipt for Pierce. Now, the people at church know who I am. They know Pierce belongs to me. Well, I don't go to a church that's so massive that they don't know who, who's who. Everybody knows that's my kid. But when I want to retrieve Pierce, I go and give them the sticker, and they give me my kid back. All right, That's a safety thing. There, there could be some room for the convention... Or the mission board to say, hey, these are best practices to keep a clean and safe kids area. Like, make sure you have insurance. Or have the two adult rule. Always two adults, not just one. So we know for sure and there's no funny business going on. Just stuff like that. And some of that's sort of basic common sense. But the mission board is telling you how to market and get the people. I'm sorry, I just think that's backwards. I just think that that's, that's wasteful. Wouldn't more people be going to church if the mission board was out on the highways and byways evangelizing people and saying, all right, now that you've accepted the gospel, here's one of our affiliate churches. What's your address? Oh, go to this affiliate church. We're in with them. But no, they got a consultant. And you know what? Guys, you got to spend money to make money. <clears throat> the mission board paid Facebook to advertise so Georgia Baptists would see the advertisement, avail themselves of the materials and services, and either 
purchase materials and programs from the, the Georgia Baptist Mission Board or continue to give to the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Let me ask you this. When you put your $100 bill in the plate on Sunday, did you intend for $5 of that $100 bill to go to the Georgia Baptist Mission Board so that they could take it and spend a portion of it on marketing? By the way, that per the percentage of revenue for marketing is something I guarantee you they have. I looked at it today when I did my marketing budget, all right? The Georgia Baptist Mission Board budgets for how much mission money you are going to give them. And then some accountant says, we're going to spend, I don't know, 3, 4, 5% on marketing. Are you donating money so they can spend money on marketing? Or are you donating money so people can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? They said it was a mission board. So forget about what they're marketing, just like why are they marketing? Why are they marketing and targeting demos? It's a mission board. And you're giving money to pay for it. And I'll end with this before I move on to their specific advice. Tuesday's show will be the first part of their specific advice. And I'm going to, you know what I'm going to tell you, I'm going to read over it again. I might just do one show and do all four P's or two shows and do two P's each. Or I might do four. We'll see. We'll talk about the specifics of the document, though, Tuesday. But let me finish with this. I'm a big Braves fan. I love to watch baseball. So if I'm in the car at 7 o'clock or 7.30 and the Braves are coming on, I'm listening to the Braves. And I'm going to go home in my house and watch the Braves. And as I listened to the Braves this year, there were advertisements for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And they're like, hey, the Georgia Baptist Mission Board does this. We, uh, we help rebuild towns when they burn down. They were talking, they're, they're, it was like, Georgia Baptist, people who care. We do good stuff in the state. Atlanta Braves, Georgia Baptist. Okay. So you think about who, who advertises on, on the Braves. It's, well, there's Louisiana Hot Sauce is the official hot sauce of the Braves. So when you're sitting at home eating, eating chicken, watching the Braves, some Louisiana brand hot sauce. It's the official Braves hot sauce. Um, who else is on the Braves? You got the, the call of the bullpen from the Gas South Company. Hey, Gas South call of the bullpen. If you need uh, if you need gas, natural gas from your house, you get it from Gas South. Gas South call of the bullpen. Bring the heat. Is that Louisiana? I think it's Louisiana hot sauce that brings the heat. Or does Gas South do it? There's a lot of heat. There's the freeze. At the Braves, they have the freeze from Quick Trip. He's a, he's a, I guess, a human slushy, and you're supposed to buy slushies from Quick Trip. You got to beat the freeze. There's a race. See if you can beat the freeze if you go to the Braves. He, it's a, it's some guy who works at the Braves, but he ran track in college, <laughs> so he puts on a bodysuit, and you got to, he gives you a head start. Hardly anybody beats him. There's a lot of advertisers on the Braves. They're all selling stuff. I can buy Louisiana hot sauce. I can change my service to Gas South. I can go get gas and slushies at Quick Trip. What can I buy from the Georgia Baptist Convention? They're advertising on the Braves, but I can't go buy anything from them. And I'm sitting there thinking, they have missions money that they're using to advertise 
to people listening to the Braves. And it's just like Georgia Baptists, people who care. I'm like, all right, the Georgia Baptists care about me. I'm not, what am I just going to start sending them money? I'm going to go to the website and donate? I don't, I don't know. I am genuinely perplexed as to how they think advertising at the Braves game is going to further the cause of Christ in Georgia. And you know what? If it would have been, hey, have you considered your eternal destination? If you, if you want to hit a home run in life, accept Christ as Savior. Repent of your sins now or you'll perish like the Washington Nationals did this year. This message brought to you by the Georgia Baptist Convention. Or this message brought to you by the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. The Georgia Baptist Convention changed its name to Georgia Baptist Mission Board. That's why I keep misspeaking. If it was like some kind of message about the gospel, like accepting Christ, or even like Jesus loved his enemies and turned the other cheek, do you? Look into more about Jesus' life at GeorgiaBaptistMissionBoard.com. No, it's just like, hey, we're here. Advertising on the Braves. <laughs> See, that's that's why I think like it's it's. I really think it's incompetent people with too much money. If somebody said, "Seth, describe the Georgia Baptist Mission Board demand," like incompetent people with too much money, who are spending missions dollars on Braves advertising. I guess young families with kids listen to the Braves, and they want them to know about the Georgia Baptist Convention. I don't, do you know young families with kids? You play ball with them? Make sure you evangelize them. Or at, least, uh, even at least invite them to church. At least say, I go to church. Maybe they'll ask you about it. I don't know, but why, why are you advertising Georgia Baptist Convention? And why are you giving money to this? Quit it. Or just, just ask people. At your church next to you, like, do you know how much money you personally give the Georgia Baptist Convention? Do you know they spend it on marketing? Like, where are the missionaries? That's it. That's the intro of the show about state. I'm talking about Georgia. But, guys, I don't know. Are they doing this in Florida and Tennessee and Alabama? I bet they are. Hold that mission board to account, and here's who you really got to hold to account. It's your pastor and pastoral. It's not the elders and pastors and bishops are the same thing. All right. But we know functionally in real life you have some lay board of elders who they are clueless about convention politics. Whatever guy you're, you're paying and paying him to be the pastor, that's the guy who's who's sucking the money into the Georgia Baptist Convention. You're not going to convince him to stop, but you've got to get everybody else to say, you can't do this anymore. You're wasting our money. Unless you just think advertising on the Braves is a good use of your money. Thanks for listening to the Christian Commute. Lord willing, I'll be back with you again tomorrow. As always, God bless. And as always, remember, Christianity is not about getting saved. It's Thanks about for listening being to the saved. Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord.
God bless.